again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i'm your co-host mike one co-host also mike here to introduce our third co-host our guest for this episode of mmo today yeah from hands down our favorite oscars channel on youtube we are absolutely thrilled to bring back izzy of be kind rewind izzy has been producing three to four documentary features worth of content every year michael and bkr has just always been like the most entertaining trustworthy blend of film history, appreciation, journalism, and criticism, and then just storytelling. Like, every video is just, just got so much narrative momentum to it. We don't know how she does it. She does hint at how in a few instances today, but we can't follow her. Like, we know we can't follow her. We just had, like, a five-minute conversation before yeah. recording this intro. Like, we can't be her. So we're. I guess we're just glad to have her. <laughs> On the show. <laughs> Thankful that she spends part of her time on us. Yeah. Uh, she's amazing. And why some like archival documentary film company hasn't picked her up yet, scooped her up. Like you guys need, if anybody's listening out there, like mm-hmm. a documentarian. And, and, and now we know all the big deals. The big money deals are flying around for these mm-hmm. docs that everybody wants on their streaming service. Hire Izzy. She's doing four docs worth you know, of content that is as good as anything I have seen on Netflix or, you know, HBO Max, for Christ's sake. And I am watching yeah. every documentary possible. So That's also true. Look at you. I mean, she's right there. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have their chance necessarily, though, Michael, because she kind of just went full time on the channel. She went pro and it's doing very well. And, you know, she's got her Patreon. She's got her YouTube channel, BK Rewind. So, guys, make sure... You become a Patreon. It's like two bucks a month to get our podcast. You get all the yeah. cool stuff. And then, uh, yeah, subscribe to that channel, Be Kind Rewind. And you said it. She did just start a podcast as well called No No Noise. It is on her Patreon. Her Patreon is as cheap as two bucks a month, like you just said there. And No Noise continues conversations from her videos or dives deeper into the research with some of its authors, or she'll talk to her friends and colleagues about new developments in film history. It really is. I mean, her videos are just, we gush way too much to her and about her uh, in this interview because we are just fans of hers. But uh, it's some of the most educational and entertaining stuff that you'll be able to find uh, with not only film history, but Oscars history specifically as well. And as for her podcast, she did. She, I mean, she does like companion pieces with the podcast to some of her videos. Like she just made a, a wizard of Oz making of video. And then she talked to like one of her colleagues about the, the making of the wizard of Oz. She kind of did a sets from hell episode in terms of our uh, terminology uh, on the wizard of Oz, which was awesome. She did, you know, Carmen Miranda and Anna Diarmas and blonde videos this year. And then she had like one of the authors for one of the major books she read to, to base the video on. She, she had one of those author authors to help kind of round out some research on the podcast. And then like you said earlier, like she'll just do a cool ass film history episode the last movie stars came out about paul newman and joanne woodward there the hbo docuseries so she just had one of her friends on to to have a fun conversation about that so that's the no noise podcast make sure you guys subscribe and patron her it's less than like 
two cups of coffee a year just to get that podcast. So mm-hmm. do it. You know how much a cup of coffee is at Starbucks anymore, by the way? <laughs> yeah, it's like six bucks. So it's yeah. ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Uh, guys, <laughs> our, con- <laughs> our conversation with Izzy of Be Kind Rewind, one of our favorite chats of the year, talking about supporting actors, but it goes in a bunch of different directions from there. Uh, check it out. We will see you on the other side. All right, on the line right now, our friend Izzy from Be Kind Rewind joining us once again here on MMO. Izzy, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today and coming back. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Izzy, congratulations on uh, going full-time with the channel. Uh, so well-earned, so well-deserved, and congrats mm-hmm. on uh, the new podcast, No Noise. Uh, we <laughs> we did a little sleuthing. I mean, you gave us a picture and a quote, so I was able to type that in and figure out it was based on Izzy Hooper, which I'm sure she's known as <laughs> to her friends. Yep. Yep. Mike, Mike, and Oscar here, we can recognize some same-name love, so that's cool. <laughs> Uh, but this is like this really great quote on film love and, and focusing on, you know, the main thing, keeping the main thing, the main thing. I love it. It's a great name for a podcast. But I have to ask you, this quote also implies that Izzy Huppert is not into concessions when going to the movies. She's not into eating anything while she's there. No snacks, no drink, True. no food. Are you no, no, the same? Right. Say, say it ain't so, Izzy. Are you the same? Do you just go there and sit down? No, no, no. I'm a big concessions person. Oh, for thank sure. God. Thank God. All right. Yeah. Oh, I love, perfect. like, movie theater popcorn is excellent. <laughs> it is. You can't replicate it at home. It's so good. Um, it's true, though. I, I think, like, so Isabelle Huppert owns this theater in Paris, and it's very pared down. Like, it truly is just, I don't even think they have a lobby. Um, but, you, yeah, you can't get anything there. You just go in and sit down. But they smoke, I'm guessing, or that's just a French thing. I don't know. <laughs> they don't. But one time I did go see um, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf" there, and the two there were two like very beautiful French women in like in like red lipstick drinking champagne at the ticket box, and I was like, oh. "Yes, this is exactly what I expect from this theater." Thank <laughs> it's you. Like an oil painting of it, yeah. It has yeah. <laughs> well, you've had an awesome year on the channel, as we've been saying. Uh, in the intro, and you did some supporting actress videos this year. Ruth Gordon, Miyoshi Yumeki. Look, I'm always wondering what your process is on choosing, you know, topics for the, these videos. And I know you got you've uh, you got patrons who are giving you some cool feedback for that. You've you've dived into some directing categories. Uh, you did a Chloe mm-hmm. Zhao video two years ago uh, on all the Oscar-nominated female directors. You did an actress turned director video two years back. And you also did a recent one on the four Helmers of the wizard of Oz and like a making of uh, video. So like we're, we're just big fans and I'm just really curious if you got more supporting actress videos in mind in the future. I mean, this is going to be at least the second time you review you've reviewed supporting actress with us on the show. How are you choosing your topics uh, these days? Uh, it's really just anything that strikes my fancy at any given time. Um, one of the nice things about having or have being doing the channel full time is that I have more time to just kind of read random things or read, you know, books about film that interest me and not for research specifically. Um, and I tend to get really inspired um, by those things. Um, so the mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz book came from reading or the Wizard of Oz video came from reading a Judy Garland book. Um 
the one that I'm reading right now, or the one that I'm writing right now about All Quiet on the Western Front came from a book that I was reading, a memoir by mm. Stefan Zweig, who is an Austrian writer. Um, completely had nothing to do with film, but just kind of spurred my interest in those topics. And so here we are. Um, so it's kind of just things that I'm interacting with and people that I'm curious about. I, there are a couple of, you know, white whale topics that I know I need to get to. Um, and I fully intend to get to them and like people that I haven't talked about, like I don't have a Lauren Bacall video. I don't have a Jean Harlow video. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I should get there eventually. So I try to schedule those kinds of things in as well. You've described your style as like video essays. And I'm just wondering, is there anywhere that you think you've any, any journalistic, uh, uh, person or, or subject that you've kind of drawn inspiration from? Because it is a very, I mean, when you watch a BKR video, you know you're watching an Izzy product. You know you're watching a BKR video, and I think because of the information that's in it and just how educational it is, but still entertaining. Do you credit that from like an amalgamation of people that you've drew, drawn inspiration from, or is it all just how you would like to see that type of channel laid out? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it's, there are certainly people who inspire me. Um, Karina Longworth, obviously. Um, oh gosh, what's the name of the, <laughs> I'm forgetting his name. Ken Burns. That's his name. Um, Ken mm -hmm. Burns. Mm -hmm. I, sure. is a, you know, I watch all of his documentaries, um, love what he's able to do with, um, archival research and things like that. So yeah, there are people who definitely inspire me, but I think when I was, um, putting together the channel initially, I wanted to make something that I would be interested in watching, so yes, like there are going to be, it's going to be very information heavy because I love learning and all that kind of stuff, but I want to make it a little more, um, compelling and feel like it belongs on the internet as opposed to just like a straight up thing that you could go sit in a theater and feel very serious about. Well, you've kind of crushed my hopes of ever becoming you because you basically said you have to read books. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> Plural. Yeah. You have to watch 20 hour docuseries uh, to, to become you. So that's impossible for us, Mike. So I guess we'll just have to settle with having her on I the show. I reading after law school, famously, so that's out for me. <laughs> so, it gets worse. You have to spend time on JSTOR. So. <laughs> yeah. the, the most words I'll come up with is like just asking really long questions. What Mike and I think are talk radio style questions. So I guess. We'll get into more of those here and kind of transition into the category because, you know, you've chosen you've chosen this category for us today. And look, at, you would get the star treatment right now. I know we're gushing over you in the pre-show. <laughs> this is because you're our favorite Oscars channel on YouTube. Oh you're gosh, our favorite Oscars. You. We, we love you. We love your channel. Absolutely. Look, at, if you told us you wanted to do best documentary short subject, subject then we would do an hour on best doc short. <laughs> But you chose supporting actress again for us this year. So I'm wondering what you think of this five. I'm wondering if you're kind of enthused by by the switch up last night at BAFTA with Carrie Condon maybe taking the lead. What do you think of these five performances or what do you think of this array of five actresses here? I think this is a really great lineup. I'm really excited to talk about all of these women. Um, I, I think actually over the past couple of years, Best Supporting Actress has been a very consistent, good category. Like there, there are always snubs, of course, that people feel, um, you know, they wish they could have been represented within the category in any given year. But I think generally speaking, you know, most of the 
people who've been nominated over the past couple of ceremonies have been good and people are kind of enthusiastic about it, which is, I think, kind of a rarity <laughs> for the mm. Oscars. Um, so I'm I'm happy with this category overall. Um, I'm I liked most of the movies in this category. I guess most of them. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I I would be happy to see any of any of them walk away with it, to be honest. But yeah, so that's why I picked it. I think it's just a good group and it's nice for me to kind of not t- talk about Best Actress for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I give you a little bit of a reprieve, hopefully, here. But I'm wondering, because you do have this like journalistic and analytical approach to when you do your, your whether they're your directing movies or your actress movies, I'm wondering about the emotions you feel because you, you kind of separate, you're able to, to like, like I said, approach these in a professional way, but you have the Andrea Riseborough uh, video last month, for for example. You It was a magnificent job breaking down the campaign and where you think that started from. But when you see something like that happen or you see something like what happened on the Baptist stage last night happen where, uh, where Angela Bassett, who's been winning all the supporting actress uh, precursors thus far, gets upset by Carrie Condon, what is... Like, how do you process your emotions? Do you have an emotional attachment to this, or do you just kind of take it all with a grain of salt in the process of analyzing award season and having award season be what it is for the most part? Mm-hmm. Um, I try to remove myself as much as possible from the way I represent things on the channel, or I will tell you explicitly how I feel about something versus like how other people are kind of receiving it. Um, so I try to keep myself at a distance. Obviously I have very strong opinions about most of these things, but it's like, I mostly, I don't think I'm the centerpiece of the channel. So I try to like not just get on there and put my opinions everywhere, um, which I think is something that people kind of appreciate about it. It doesn't feel quite as like biased, I think as a lot of mm. other awards videos or channels feel, mm. um, which I like. Um, that being said, like, of course, yeah, I have like kind of emotional reactions to things all the time. I remember in 2020, I was like the only person I knew who was actually happy about (laughs) Olivia Coleman winning. Um, (laughs) you and my co-host, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. And I think so for this one, um, something I have to disclose up front, of course, is that I haven't actually seen Black Panther, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, do I think Angela Bassett would ever be undeserving an award, like of an award? Never. No, like I'd be totally happy if she, if she won this, um, given the strength of her performances over her career. Um, but also, so, you know, you feel a little bit sad that she didn't walk away with it, but I'm also very happy for Carrie Condon. I think she actually, of this group gave my favorite performance of of the year. So, you know, it's it's kind of like holding a lot of different conflicting emotions at once. Um, but mostly they're positive. I try not to take anything too seriously because it really doesn't matter that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I got a bit of a punditry question for you here. I, I, I think we could all stay objective on this one because this is just like stats and... I'm I'm worried about this stat for Angela Bassett. I'm trying to rationalize how this happened. Because Mike and I put BAFTA on blast yesterday about going against people of color across the board. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I, I get how it can happen here. Carrie Condon was a critical favorite. She's also, you know, playing a, a home game over there. And it's a terrific performance. So, you know, after a night's sleep, I can understand why. However, I think 
this punditry fact is is definitely uh, leading to it. The fact that 80% of the time uh, in the, we've had Best Picture nominated films win the acting categories in the last 13 years since Best Picture went beyond five nominees. So that is telling us that the Academy is only watching or watching more often the films that are nominated for Best Picture and they're not really going down the rest of the card. Now, you can watch Angela Bassett's big scene in the trailer. You don't necessarily have to watch the movie in some some instances. So I'm wondering if you think, because it seemed to happen to you in this case, do you think that's happening to a lot of Academy members? we got a newer Academy that's younger, that may be working more, that, that they don't have time to watch as many films. Do you think that's hurting Bassett here? I don't know, because it seems like given the box office receipts, it seems like they would have been more likely to watch Black Panther than Mm -hmm. a lot of other films. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, obviously I can't prove that. Um, But I do think I'm not worried about Angela Bassett, to be honest, for her chances at the Oscars, because I do feel like she has a very specific American appeal that just probably wouldn't translate quite as well to the BAFTAs. Um, whereas like Carrie Condon very, like very obviously feels like a kind of BAFTA type performance. Um, especially since Banshees won a very ironically specific British award. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah, like I'm not too worried about her with the Oscars. I'm sure the SAG will be more enlightening in this case. So we'll have to wait I, I, to find out, I guess. Yeah. I d- didn't mean to cut you off at the end there, but I tend to to agree with you. Uh, getting into to Carrie Condon, I mean, we do have the, the rich history, specifically the American cinematic history with Angela Bassett, like you're alluding to. What was it about the Carrie Condon performance in Banshees that kind of most appealed to you or that made you think that it was one of your favorites? Uh, I just think the writing um, of that film was very complicated and mature. Um I liked that her character was kind of allowed to leave. Um, initially, you know, you kind of assume like, oh, this is going to be another suffering woman character where she kind of just stays and has to serve her brother and, mm. you know, sacrifice her life for him. But she doesn't. She chooses to leave. And you can kind of sense that frustration brewing in her throughout the performance and how kind of how she's willing to kind of lash out and. Um, but at the same time be very vulnerable and like protect her brother to his face, kind of very sweetly mm-hmm. kind of lie to him about how he's, you know, not that dumb and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I just thought the, the way that um, Siobhan was written was really beautiful and complex. So, um, and she delivered it well. So that's kind of, I think it has more to do with the character than the performance, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed that movie. So and she's a big part of that. I remember last time we had you on, we had a couple a couple small pieces of the conversation were related to that very type of character and how the, the, the female character and the supporting actress character maybe specifically is always portrayed to like serve at the behest of the male character or has to do something that, you know, they're they're usually awarded the characters are usually awarded because they themselves are a service type character. Have you seen any type of evolution 
I guess within uh, the last few years through the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic finally within like with that type of character is, is American cinema evolving in your eyes somewhat away from doing that so heavily and awarding that type of role so heavily specifically just to the female characters? Oh gosh, I hope so. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't put it together in, in sort of a overall t- trend or specifically related it to the pandemic. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that's true. Um, I do think, I think a lot of these conversations are happening more often where people are kind of noticing what tropes um, occur again and again and are trying to write against them. And sometimes they kind of do that in a way that kind of overcorrects the problem where it sort of just like forms a new trope in some, in a different Mm. place. Um, But I don't, I do feel like we've seen a couple of characters this year um specifically like in everywhere or everything everywhere all at once in tar in banshees that all kind of point to an effort to um give women fully realized characters to to play around with and stories that actually um center them as opposed to kind of like calling them the lead when the film is actually about their male counterpart Mm. absolutely uh amen to that uh Mm. i uh and I'm a fan of, of Condon's performance as well. It's uh, it's in a movie where a lot of Guinness is drank, and <laughs> I'm a fan of that movie. So it's a hard Again, one to high get. High bars here for MMO. We yeah, have a I lot know. of hot, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Really Drink of choice, yeah. Matter. I get right. it. No, I get it. <laughs> so I, I like what you said about SAG. 21 of the last 28 SAG winners have gone on to win supporting actress. That's 75%. That's the strongest uh, crossover stat. Critics' choice is 70%, including 13 of the last 14. The Globes are terrible, 37 of 79 for 46%. And the BAFTAs are terrible. So they're 21 (laughs) of the last 52. I did a 50-year stat two years ago, and then I added two years to it. So Mm -hmm. 40%. The BAFTA Supporting Actress has only crossed over 40%. So this is a really cool category to dive into here today with you because it truly is unknown. We're going to have to see it play out. I want to ask you about the Everything Everywhere double nomination because, again, I'm kind of the stats guy here, obviously, and we've had double noms from the same film and Supporting Actress 34 times by my count at the Oscars and a double nom film has only won 11 of those 34 times. So that's 32%. Mm-hmm. Only three of those 11 came, went on to win a best picture. So it's not like you can even say, all right, everything everywhere is going to win best picture this year. And who in the hell knows if it's gonna, it, it was the best picture front runner, <laughs> much more established yesterday <laughs> morning and not yeah. today, but like, Despite perhaps my own review of Stephanie Hsu, and I'm really high on her, I do think that there's an argument that Jamie Lee Curtis in this double nomination scenario perhaps galvanizes the support of the Academy more so because it's the legacy award for her. So how do you think they're looking at this particular double double nomination, Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie here? Could you see them moving more support towards Jamie Lee or, I mean, maybe you see it differently. Maybe you see Stephanie's uh, performance as so strong that you you could see them going for her. Yeah, I think they're positioned very differently despite being um, nominated for the same film. So, like you said, Jamie Lee Curtis obviously comes from a, um, a long legacy of um, actors that 
the, well, actually, I don't think either of them won Oscars, did they? Well, anyway, they're very famous, very um, <laughs> prominent um, actors. Um, and then she herself, of course, has kind of carved her own legacy within the industry, although not in a space that's generally highly regarded by the Academy. Um, mm-hmm. And then Stephanie Sue, I think, you know, comes in as this newcomer who's very exciting and um, kind of, I think, is bound to have a big future. Um, I think we're already seeing her cast in a lot of really interesting things. So, uh, yeah, I think they're just in very, very different positions. Um, I don't know which one is maybe harder. I think it's probably harder for Stephanie to kind of garner the support as she doesn't have decades of, you know, connections and um, politicking, I guess, in her favor, the, the way that Jamie Lee Curtis might. Um, it, I would be surprised if either of them won. I would be more surprised if Stephanie won, mm-hmm. um, simply for that reason. Um, but I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't, I kind of am very into the Jamie Lee Curtis nomination. A lot of people aren't, but I think I'm into it for the, the reason we spoke about, which is like, oh, it's nice to see her nominated after, you know, being such a presence in the industry for a really long time. But I don't know that I would want her to win for this. Like, I wish she could win for a horror movie. That would be so cool. But of course, that would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, you've been a stand for great horror performances. You've done a couple videos on it. You did the Tony Collette video. Uh, kind of, I, th- I think it was right after she got snubbed, the, or maybe she was contending. The MoMA video was awesome. The Final Girls video that you worked on, yeah. and then you. Uh, yeah, you just shouted out Ruth Gordon in the Rosemary's Baby video. Like, why? I mean, is this just a Halloween Kills? Not Halloween Kills. Halloween Ends. I can't even <laughs> remember the name of the movie. Halloween Ends wasn't great. If Jamie Lee right. Curtis was was in a great movie to finish that trilogy, maybe this could have been um, a much stronger candidacy for her. Do you think there's a bias against her in this particular case? It's it's just kind of a push where it's not helping or hurting her in the supporting actress, the fact that she is the the longstanding scream queen? Yeah, it's kind of strange because on the one hand, I think there's a lot of respect bestowed upon her for that reason, that she kind of is like the mother of that genre in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it, it also is the traditional problem that we see again and again, which is just that horror, I guess people are blind to that for some reason. Um, and I still, I still don't know. I still don't understand why there's no respect for that. Um, Mm. with the Academy. I mean, I have theories like, you know, it's harder to watch people. Um, I think, or just assume that they're afraid of it before they even go see it. That's kind of how I was. Um, Mm. So, cause I didn't get into horror until maybe like five years ago, but yeah, I, I, it's shocking to me. I mean, I think us, the snub for us and hereditary with Lupita Nyong'o and um, Tony Collette are kind of like two of the biggest misses in the past couple of years. And I can't attribute it to any other reason than people not seeing it or giving that genre credit that it deserves what was uh, this is just a personal anecdote and if if you don't want to answer that's fine but what was your resi- i mean you're obviously a, a scholar of or a student of 
film and film study. What was the resistance to horror for you for so long? Just you don't like the idea of being fear, uh, scared and fearful? Yeah, literally, like that's it. It's not <laughs> It's not even complicated. Okay. It's just like, oh, well, I I don't know why someone would want to be scared. Like, <laughs> I want to feel upset. Why? That's stupid. Um, but then, you know, I think... Um, I mean, maybe it's a marketing problem as well because they want to market fear. But I think there's so much more within horror that I was just late to come to, how political it is, how funny it can be. Um, All of these things that kind of make these stories much more um, complicated and um, valuable than simply just like, oh, I'm going to watch someone die. Like, Mm. that's not what really like 99% of horror films are. Um, And I think... I was just a little too prone to the advertising that that's what they must be. So what would I, and I, I apologize for going down this road. And if you want me to tell me to shut up, that's totally fine. <laughs> but Mike and I are horror geeks on top of being Oscar geeks. What was the turning point for you? What made you finally decide to jump in? Oh, literally Halloween, which is awesome. so funny. Yeah. It was literally, it was the first movie of this new trilogy, which was actually really good. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I went with, I hadn't seen one of my friends in a really long time and she wanted to go see it. And I was like, oh, fine. Like, I'm going to hate this, but I'll go because <laughs> I'm, I want to be a good friend. And I had such a fun time, like watching it with her and kind of like screaming in the theater and all that kind of stuff. Not literally screaming, but you know. Um, and so like after that, I went home and I watched the original Halloween and I was obsessed with it. And then things just kind of like spiraled from there. So yeah, Jamie Lee That's Curtis so cool. is a huge part of me opening up myself to a new genre. Well, I, I asked you to go down the road of something that's completely non-Oscars adjacent for one question. Now this <laughs> question I'm going to ask you if you can explain and solve misogyny for me. So I apologize in advance, <laughs> but about the supporting actors and about Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue's uh, nomination specifically, there's this perpetual viciousness that's placed. It seems only onto females that isn't done to males when it comes to Oscars time. Like when Stephanie Hsu misses a precursor and Jamie Lee Curtis didn't, there was a portion of the internet that immediately went into slamming Jamie Lee Curtis. When Jamie Lee Curtis goes crazy yeah. for Michelle Yeoh on social media at an, or at an award show, the cynicism comes out where some people are saying, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is only doing that because she's still campaigning. She wants to make it about her. There's clearly a gender-based or gender-biased reaction because the same thing doesn't happen to men. We haven't seen the same viciousness or the same competing uh, between the three male Banshees noms, even though two of them there are in the same supporting actor category. Nor have we seen it when, like, we saw Brendan Fraser win the Critics' Choice Award. Austin Butler gets a camera shot, and he looks visibly upset. Last night, Colin Farrell doesn't win the BAFTA. He gets a camera shot. He looks visibly upset, and yet you don't see tweet one about, oh, Austin Butler's pissed or Colin Farrell's pissed, and they're going to be fighting and blah, blah, blah. But yet it happens all the time with female nominees. There's always this, like, fervor to tear, you you know, pit the two women against each other or three women against each other and have them battle. What... Why does this happen so much to only the female side of the acting categories? Oh, man. I wish I knew that. <laughs> I think in this case... <laughs> like I said, just has... solve misogyny, please, and we'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah, why did Michelle like... Yeoh give uh, Kate Blanchett such a stinky face? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's wild. Um, I think there's kind of... Hmm, how do I put this nicely? I think there's kind of a an impulse to see things that women do as being like petty um, that doesn't necessarily apply to men. Um, And people are 
more invested in seeing that play out like for the drama or they like want to pick things apart much more than they do with men um I think in this case like a lot of it has to do with social media right because like of all of the acting nominees Jamie Lee Curtis is probably the most active on social media and mm-hmm. the second that a woman says that they're like invested in something or like want something to happen, uh, that's like, uh oh, <laughs> you shouldn't have done mm. that. Um, <laughs> when I when I was doing the research for the Andrea Riseborough video, one of the articles um, kind of explaining Oscar campaigning this came out maybe like four years ago. This article, one of the first things it says is like the number one rule to Oscar campaigning is that you have to pretend like you don't care. Like you have to pretend like you um, are doing this like for the art and Mm. everybody is there for the right reasons and blah, blah, blah. And the second you kind of break that illusion, then you're kind of seen as like a fraud and um, like laughable. And, and so like for Jamie Lee Curtis to um, openly express ambition and like openly say that she wants to win or she wants a nomination is kind of like a social faux pas. I think it's really ridiculous and dumb and people get very defensive um, mm. about these kinds of things, um, unnecessarily so. But I think that's part of it. Um, a lot of these actors just aren't on social media either, which I think is really interesting. Uh, the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I have like theories about it, especially relating to like, uh, I don't know how to, hmm. let me think don't, don't hold back by the way. you feel like you can just be as well, as you want. Cause Lord knows we are <laughs> go get well, it. I also think, I also think that there's like an element of like men seem to be more interested in women as actors than they are in men as actors. And men I think are more open to saying things about women than they are about other men. Um, and so it ends to be, it tends to become this like cat fight about these women who like men feel entitled to talk about. And like these women are here for them to like comment on and to like represent them. And it's like, it becomes very bizarre to me. Um, and I don't understand it, but do you think that's something specific to acting or is that a, a, a world, a global issue? Um, I think it's both. I think it, it comes out in acting a lot um, because like these yeah. are just conversations that people are having, but I think right. like it, it happens in, in music. It happens. I'm sure in the boardroom or wherever, uh, mm-hmm. like offices all over America. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. It's very complicated and I don't like mean to alienate people, but I do think like, I do think men would be, well off if they thought about the way that they talk about these women during during this season specifically preach i really <laughs> wish i really wish i had majored in either psychology sociology or political science before thinking of doing this thing with my here my friend here talking about the oscars <laughs> and all this voting because that would have been much more useful to me than my gosh darn communications degree no so, yeah so- and, and also like i should say like this is just kind of what i've gathered from my experience mm-hmm. and the way that like people talk to me about things i sit mm-hmm. in a very like specific vantage point 
I guess with this, because people who I don't know feel very open to me to like express how they feel about various women all the time. And the way that like men talk to me about these women is very different than the way that women talk to me about these women. Um, and so like, I'm just kind of seeing this on a day-to-day basis. And so like, I'm just coming at it from my experience. So this isn't, I don't, I don't want to like give any grand, um, don't come for um, Izzy. You hear that? Yeah. I'm not trying to like give some (laughs) like overall philosophy about like men and women and how they think about this, but like, this is just how, uh, this information is, is to me from where I sit. Well, from our vantage point too, like we're we're coming at this as outsiders. We're not pretending to be insider journalists about about the Oscars, and it is, and it is kind of a uh, like we're fan representatives. They let us be <laughs> because they listen to us, and it's it, the coolest thing ever. But we all know we're looking at this thing from the outside, and we study it, and we're sometimes academics, sometimes we become journalists, we can't help it, but we're, we are looking at it from a different vantage point and kind of talking to one another about it. So this is, you know, we're under the same moon, we're kind of coming from a similar perspective, which is awesome. And I guess maybe to finish up on the Everything Everywhere performers here, I'm wondering if, you know, just looking at how these people might vote from this vantage point, if the fact that Kihui Kwan lost... I wonder if that opens up more possibilities for everybody's four winners, right? Because they're always they're always kind of doing these these they're picking these blocks in some 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 of them do that we we think, and I know that we've watched voting styles like that in the past. And if you you know you go behind, you do talk to people on the inside. They kind of say, well, I'll vote for Michelle Yeoh, so I won't vote for Stephanie Hsu. Or I'll vote for mm-hmm. Kihui Kwan, and that'll be the winner from Everything Everywhere. And then I'll vote for Kate Blanchett because I also love Tar. Do you mm-hmm. think that – how do you think the Everything Everywhere love shakes out, at least in terms of the acting categories? You mentioned that you don't think JLC or Stephanie have the greatest chance in this category because of the double nom, perhaps, or whatnot. But – do you think it comes back to Kihui Kwan, we hope, in that sense? Yeah, I think he and Michelle Yeoh have a pretty decent shot. Um, I mean, him more so than Yeoh. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, oh, for sure. I, I would be shocked if this film did not receive at least one acting award based on everything that's happened this season so far. Yeah, that's my sigh of relief. So I appreciate mm. that. I <laughs> I guess uh, in the same vein, I I wonder how the two nominations for Hong Chow and Brendan Fraser are working together. Because when I saw Hong Chow get nominated, and she had a really good run up lately, she's had an awesome career. Driveways yeah. was great. Uh, the menu this year was also great. She had uh, she had downsizing a few years back, where she was just knocking on the door again and again, and here we now have her uh, almost like as just a celebration of of the two movies i would say i think the menu did a lot i think that that really helped her this year but i'm wondering how you think brendan fraser being a best actor front runner maybe after the critics choice who the hell knows what he's now that's an even crazier race and best actor but mm-hmm. do you think the two of them there together strength, strengthens each other's chances maybe hong chow has a, a chance and you know, a puncher's chance now in the category because 
people are watching the movie for Brendan Fraser to to an extent, but now for the both of them. Well, what do you think of Hong Chow's candidacy? Uh, I I love it. I mean, she was kind of one of those who came out of nowhere for me. Um, like, I don't think I knew who she was until this year. Or I don't think I'd seen any of her work. Or if I had, I didn't realize that I was <laughs> had seen her work. This was like years ago mm-hmm. or as a small role or something like that. Um, but I'm so um, thrilled that she sort of kind of made this quote unquote overnight <laughs> um, emergence into into our consciousness, I guess. Um, I loved her in the menu. Um, and also here, I mean, I think, you know, people have a lot of quibbles, quibbles with this film for, I think some legitimate reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's pretty undeniable that what she does here is very like touching and sensitive. Um, and also very funny. Like, I think it's another kind of role similar to Carrie Condon's where there's kind of a lot of conflicting emotions that, she has to deal with it once. Um, so I, I love her as an actress and I would love to see her get some props for this, but I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. Um, I'm kind of losing track of the best actor race. It seems like it could really go in any number of directions. Um, so I'm not sure how that would technically like affect how people would, um, see her performance or kind of rank it within these five. But, uh, I, I hope that, you know, if Brendan Fraser is giving her some momentum, that would be really nice. So you've been really good at predicting these awards on our show. And we, we have a few more questions for you coming out of this. Oh, but have I, I'm kind of surprised by that. <laughs> I went back and you're pretty darn good. So I'm wondering where your head's at right now and where I should put my money uh, and, and Mike's money. Mike, give me money. Uh-huh. Izzy, who's, yeah. who, who, Izzy, who's winning? What does your gut say right now? I mean, my gut says Angela Bassett um, mm-hmm. because it's it's very weird and annoying that she just doesn't have an Oscar. Like, that's, that's a wrong that the Academy needs to write, I think. And best not to do that, to wait for, like, some honorary moment. Um, mm. and like, I think it's okay that we can admit to ourselves whether or not it was the best performance of the year, like that it's fine. <laughs> like this happens all the time. We can, we can stomach it if you're, you know, really in someone else's corner. You can't really root against Angela Bassett, I think. So, um, that's where I would put my money right now, but I, I think yeah. that would be a celebratory moment for sure. And I, I think yeah. uh, Mike and I at this point are kind of hoping for the same thing there. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of going forward, I mean, look, you, you do what, what you do on a day-to-day basis there, and it's a lot of it is Oscars-centric. Mike and I do what we do here, and it's all Oscar-centric as well. But we all, three of us, I think, admit that, like, yes, there is this great importance that the Oscars serve, but at the same time, it's still just the Oscars, and it's still just yeah. the award season. Going forward, though, I mean, because it is still considered the pinnacle of this multi-billion dollar industry in some respects anyway, what changes are you hoping to see in the future with regards to the Academy's treatment and acceptance of female performances and in general? Is there anything that you're that's like really just kind of gnawing at you in terms of how women are perceived and by the Academy or by the Oscars generally that you would like to see changed? Hmm. I mean, I think I think my problems with the Oscars, you know, there are things that I think are annoying about them in general that really have nothing to do with the performances. I think just like the way that things are kind of marketed and you kind of just are handed 
you know, a, a, a less than 10 performances that are Oscar worthy before the season even starts. Like there's sort of this strange collaboration, mm. I guess, between the media and, and, um, the industry that, you know, there's not much flexibility. And so like these amazing performances every year, like, like into Leslie, I guess is a good example of things that just like typically wouldn't be nominated, but like nobody, but we just decide that <laughs> ahead of time. And yeah. that's how it is. I think that's awful um, for highlighting like the truly varied and interesting performance performances that happen every year. Um, but also I think there are just certain industry trends that I think are bad for actors. Like generally um, I think this trend toward biopics is like awful <laughs> i hate it so much and oh I, I oh my gosh um, go ahead why give me, give me some why what's what's the uh what's the disdain there i think it's really changed well a couple of reasons but i think it's really changed the way that we think about acting um and the way that we think about like what makes a performance good oftentimes now what things that i see you know for example um pictures of Bradley Cooper have come out of him playing Leonard Bernstein Mm -hmm. and simply by virtue of the fact that he doesn't look like Bradley Cooper, people are like, Oh my God, this is going to be an Oscar nomination. (laughs) Can't wait. And it's sort of like that rush to judgment based on the fact that he is wearing prosthetics is Mm -hmm. so it's just bad critical thinking. (laughs) And it's so, um, it's so hasty of an opinion. I think this also happens where the way someone looks can kind of overshadow the value that they're bringing to a story or whether or not that story is actually good. (laughs) Um, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is a great uh, example of this. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, you learned how to strut on stage with a fourth of the charisma that Freddie Mercury had. So like... I'm so happy that like that is somehow the best performance of the year. It's just wild to me. Great teeth, Rami. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it encourages people to think of acting as imitation. So if you can watch YouTube enough and uh, get the right hair and makeup and look exactly like this person, Mm -hmm. then you've done the best acting that you could possibly do. It's not about like, like creating something new. It's not about finding like the truth of a story um, and like the the specific mannerisms that like this person might have because you're the only person who's ever thought of that. Like, I just think that is so much more impressive. Like, um, I mean, I think this is one of the reasons I enjoyed Kate Blanchett's performance in Tar so much because uh, it, what, it was, there were just specific things that she does throughout the film and like characteristics that she gives this character that are just like, that's Kate Blanchett thinking of that. It's not like she was sitting there studying someone's life for, for a month and then had to replicate it. Um, mm. it's, it's like a different level of creativity um, that they bring to the table. And then more largely, I mean, I think it kind of speaks to this very strange, nostalgic attitude we have about American culture and like ourselves <laughs> these days where it's like yeah. we can't create <laughs> anything like new or interesting really we're just kind of relying on the past to like have been interesting and we're just retreading all of these things 
in very bland and toothless ways um, mm. instead of like trying to speak to American culture as it currently exists today. So we can't make like things about Black Lives Matter. We can't make movies about that, but we can make movies about the civil rights movement. You know, not saying the civil rights movement isn't important. It obviously is. We need to like know those stories sure. and like hold them with us. But it's also like I'm waiting for you know, filmmakers to really like take a look at, you know, what, what are people living like today? What are people right. doing? What are people thinking about? And I think that's part of the reason that everywhere all at once is so important and interesting because like it is doing that. It is like speaking to a specific type of person who is living today and who's thinking about like all the chaos in the world and what's going on and responding to it, um, in a very like bespoke and unique way. Um, so I have to believe like people respond to that much more than they do to something like, I don't know, um, what's like a really boring biopic that's come out. <laughs> any number of them, any number of them, really. Um, of course, like, of course they're going to. It's not surprising so you were to me. You were a big fan of Blonde is what you're trying to say. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I almost... I almost wonder, and this just dawned on me during this, during your what you were saying. So I'm going to steal this idea from you and pawn it off as my own. <laughs> we have original, we have original and adapted screenplay. Could we eventually get to an original and adapted performance category? Like Mike and I have been wrestling Ooh. with what they're going to do with the performance categories at the Oscars in the future. Are they going to add mocap? Are they going to add? A few down the line are they going to go with uh, non-gendered language to sort these categories at some point we've seen the gothams the uh the bifas and the indie spirits now i believe those three mm-hmm. go with just lead in supporting and mike and i were trying to figure out i mean is it is it a character study cameo do they just go larger to small and, and eventually change to four performances original adapted maybe a way that they eventually go and uh, again that would mean the stupid uh biopic trend continues in a big way but do you (laughs) do you ever see them shaking up the categories do you think it continues at the precursor level and eventually works its way to oscar what do you think about all that you know i would be surprised if they changed it i've always really wished that they would um add new categories as well like i think um like uh, best uh, voiceover performances should mm-hmm. should yes. be there or like a voice acting. Um, I think like uh, the BAFTA award for like newcomers is a really good idea as well. Um, so that could be something. I could also see them collapsing the gendered categories. Um, I think that might be a little more complicated than we want mm-hmm. to think. Um, but ultimately like, of course, we're all doing the same job, so why not? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I could definitely see things getting shaken up there. Um, right now, I'm not too eager to collapse the categories into one or two acting categories. Um, I don't think that the roles are quite at parity to kind of justify that. I think kind of historically it's kind of nice that those were separated simply because it's the only job in cinema where we've seen parody in awards and it's because it's been mandated. <laughs> hmm. um, so, you know, I always worried that like, if 
we just see the same problem that we've seen in every other category, which is like that, yeah, there are women working in those categories, but are they ever awarded or um, mm-hmm. right, whatever. But yeah, so yeah, um, I think, uh, oh, but then also being said, like, of course, given that there's, um, there should be some sort of like non-binary or whatever other award that kind of mm-hmm. allows those people not to feel excluded from from these categories because that really sucks. That's not cool for them. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think things could definitely change. They seem to be a pretty slow-moving uh, organization in that sense. Um, I think they skew a little conservative and are kind of struggling with progressing. Wait, the, you, you're um, talking about the Academy of Motion Pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the same people? <laughs> Old white guy central, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll see, we'll see. But I, yeah, sure, I would love to see some change in that sense. Well, Mike, I think we asked her, every, we even asked her the questions that we kind of didn't expect to ask her today. Yeah. All of the burning questions. I mean, I guess maybe, Izzy, if you wanted to say who you thought got snubbed, but you, you had a, a you had a complimentary thing to say right at the onset that you had five performances you, you liked and five actresses you liked. I mean, Kiki Palmer, Nina Haas, I know you're a big yeah. fan of Nina Haas from from Phoenix, uh, Kristen Stewart, Crimes of the Future. She was really cool in that movie. That was a frenetic performance. The, the women talking, they screwed up that campaign. Carrie Mulligan <laughs> and, and Dolly DeLeon were, were yeah. very uh, well awarded in the precursors. Mike and I loved the Jenna Ortega or Rachel Sennett uh, from some horror movies this year. Did you have any snubs that you were banging the table kind of upset for? Yeah, Dolly DeLeon was the big one for me, I think. Um, mm. The last act of of Triangle of Sadness really hinges on her performance. I think it's fantastic. Um, so that was the big one for me. And then obviously Nina Haas, because I stand hard for Nina Haas. Um, <laughs> and yeah, now that you mentioned it, like Kiki Palmer, I'm glad she got New York Film Critics. Um, I think Best Actress. Yeah. She was incredible. I would have loved to see her nominated. Um, same with Kristen Stewart. I know people were kind of divided on that one, but I thought it was so great. I loved that. Um, I love Crimes of the Future. So that would have been I cool love too. how you, yeah. the, the evolution of you going from, I didn't want to see any horror movie to Crimes of the Future was a great movie. <laughs> That's what I, yeah, no, for real. I, I'm just like, oh, like all these cool, weird freaks are making horror movies. So I'm sad that I didn't spend more time on them. Join us. Join us, Izzy. <laughs> Glad to have you aboard there. Uh, yeah. Izzy, you're you're spectacular. And uh, thank you so much. You're one you. of our favorite conversations thank of the year. Thank you. We're oh, that's beyond so thrilled that you could have joined us this year. Uh, do you want to give any give plugs to yourself and tell people where they can find your work? Yeah, so I'm just um Be Kind Rewind on YouTube. I think it's just youtube.com slash BK Rewind. Um, and then BK Rewind on Twitter and BK underscore rewind on Instagram. Izzy, we can't thank you enough. We we hope to have you back. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, of course. Appreciate it. Well, she's great. <laughs> again, that was so always much fun. yeah, yeah. Uh, great conversation. Our thanks once again to Izzy. Be kind. Rewind. You heard her say it there at the end. You can check it out on YouTube. Her her podcast, No Noise, as well is uh, what you can get through her Patreon. Uh, yeah, you could see why we said in the intro. One of our favorite conversations of the year. Uh, very articulate. Very in depth, and just very thoughtful. I, I was t- telling you, Mike, 
and you said this in the intro too, like I know you and I could never be here. We could mm-hmm. never be that level-headed. We can never do that type of presentation because nope. we just get too wrapped up in it. But that type of analytic and educated articulation and just the, the knowledge that she brings, even off the top of her head and answering some of these questions, that's how this space should be. We wish so it if, would be. <laughs> right. I mean, if we have to sacrifice ourselves so there could be more of the types of Izzy in this space, I, I, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to bring you down with me, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Nah, I mean, like Clayton said, you, you just got to keep saying it, I guess. So more people yeah. be like Izzy, and we'll try to be Izzy-ish, but we'll never get there. So We'll, we'll do just, our best, but it'll well, never yeah, no, it'll I match mean, up. Yeah. We're, we're fanboys. We're fanboys yeah. of the channel, you know, since the, our podcast started, uh, YouTube is almost, we're almost intimidated to start YouTube because we know we can't be Izzy on YouTube, right? I mean, we've had these conversations <laughs> the as reason, well. Yeah. yeah anyway, absolutely. we're fawning, we're, we are shamelessly fawning all over ourselves here. Uh, but like we said, words of wisdom today, do subscribe to Izzy's work at Be Kind Rewind. She's got cool ass videos on modern day films uh, as well. Like we said, there's a video on Blonde, there's a video on Andrea Riseborough campaign uh, and mm-hmm. to Leslie and there's a video coming up on all quiet on the Western front that she hopes will be out kind of around the time that this episode is released so make sure to check up on that or stay tuned a couple of days there there you go uh, Mike gave you the words of wisdom dear listener as always what matters most to us are your thoughts uh, what did you think about what anything Izzy had to say about any of the topics or specifically pertaining to supporting actress you can leave us those questions thoughts comments or concerns on our social media as always we are Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com dot com and on Reddit we're available wherever you do hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the Apple podcast or Spotify app if you appreciate what we do here here. You can leave us a five-star review, and once you're done doing so, go over to Izzy's page on YouTube. Leave her some words of wisdom and some thumbs up and likes there as well. Uh, Michael, you gave the words of wisdom for our listeners already. Uh, let's have what's coming next from us. So we're going to do a big special on the artisan categories, a special that we've been fortunate enough to do every year with a very special guest. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jinx it and say her name because every time we seem to do that, we, we always jinx the guests for whatever reason. Correct. And then they, 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 they can't come on, they don't come on. So let's not do that, but let's uh, hopefully you guys know who I'm talking about. She's one of our favorites in the biz as well. And... Yeah, we're going to talk about some races that I think really heated up. And there's a lot of cool, you know, two-way races in some of these categories, like makeup and hairstyling. Is it go Elvis? Does it go the whale? Uh, Sound design now could go Top Gun or could go all quiet on the Western Front. Uh, After these BAFTAs, we have a a lot more possibilities. So even though I blasted the BAFTAs two episodes ago, there's there's a lot of cool ways this 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 ultimate oscar race can go so that's fun so we'll have an oscar race checkpoint following that which will be pga and sag i think i might get my uh, calendar right i believe so and then we'll have a big best picture conversation the following week so we're getting into it now mike it's happening it is happening uh there are less than Four weeks to go right now as we talk on this uh, this it Monday afternoon. Here. What the hell? What the One, hell? Two, yeah, three. Date is wow. it three weeks? Right. Three so yeah, weeks. we got our 
We got our artists. Three weeks from yesterday. So uh, exactly. One, two, three. Yeah. Oh, so the wow. second to last week, we got PGA SAG and our best picture conversation. And then Oscars week, we got a final preview, Oscar bets, which I got a book with David, by the way. Remind yep. me. And then we got a, like an indie spirits. That. Yeah. We'll have another three episode week. We hope uh, and, leading uh, into. Then we'll Oscars. take nine months off. <laughs> we <laughs> how are we not a seasonal podcast but all right we no we do this year round you guys know that we love it yes sir uh guys when Four reality cents. sucks you can come break down the supporting actress and other categories with us and our friends we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness our thanks once again to izzy go check out be kind rewind on youtube see you